I've had, I've had people message me and telling me about how much they regret sending their son or daughter to university and how that they came back hating their own parents and becoming full-blown Marxists or communists or like, or, or, you know, just like becoming worse people. And I'm just like, this is happening all over the USA, all over Canada, all over the UK. I'm like, man, stuff is, stuff has changed even since I graduated. Like stuff is, stuff has changed. Like people just need to be very aware and conscious of the, of the forces out there and how powerful they are. Um, especially when something like a university gets infected, because I mean, a, a university is supposed to be a bastion for education and free speech and having your views challenged and meeting new people and all this. So when it's universities that are propagating these ideas, when it's uh, respected institutions, when it's you know respected magazines or publishers, or you know there was something I saw come out in the, the Lancet. Um, earlier today where they're talking about how they need to start taking critical race theory more seriously in the medical community. I'm, I'm like, what is, like, everything's been infected, everything. Welcome to the show, I'm Joe Horton. On the Guild of Dad show, we unwrap weekly the incredible stories, skills, and expertise of the world's most captivating dads and experts, and I unpackage with them the topics that will captivate you. Fascinating individuals, best-selling authors, entrepreneurs and ultra-athletes, professors and relationship experts. Today, I jump into the world of political correctness. Now, we've all heard the term political correctness gone mad, and it's a term that has come to prevalence in the last few years. But it's not until I started podcasting that I really realised just how far things had gone in this particular sector of society and also how shockingly fast things are moving within social justice movements. Every conversation we have translates the experience and expertise of our guests into practical knowledge you can use to better understand yourself as a dad and in the process improve your physical health, mental health, relationships, career and the way you show up in the world as a role model to the next generation. Now, I grew up in the 80s and 90s and remember vividly driving past Speaker's Corner in Hyde Park with my dad. And as a boy, I knew how important free speech was. But over the past few decades, I've noticed as gradually this has been eroded in favour of political correctness. And what seems to me to be the problem is that in the last five years or so, it's accelerated at an extremely rapid pace. And some of the conversations that I'm frequently listening to and hearing and engaging with in this particular arena are bordering on bizarre. My guest today is independent rapper, podcast host, author, public speaker and creative entrepreneur Zuby. He's also a much sought after commentator, having featured on Joe Rogan, BBC, Fox News, Sky News, The Rubin Report and The Ben Shapiro Show. Zuby and I delve into how exactly we've gotten to this point in society and the way in which he came to prominence by doing the simple act of sharing his views in public. How it resonated with many people amongst the backdrop of ideological authoritarianism taking place right now. I also find out how many institutions have become infected by intersectional woke and social justice elements 
and how the societal constructs that many social justice movements place blame with are simply not experienced by a large amount of the population. I also find out why having the courage to say what you think is necessary to tackle some of the most difficult subjects we face as a society right now. If you ever wonder how some of my amazing guests get to where they are in life, the athletes, the entrepreneurs, those making a massive impact on the world, I can tell you that pretty much all of them follow a very deliberate plan or system of some kind. This is exactly what I do too, and I'm revealing how you can implement a plan and system in your own life completely free in my ebook, The Dad Blueprint, over at guildofdads.com forward slash dad. Incidentally, many of the people I interview on this show will be leveraging the power of similar systems to radically level up their lives, so you will be an amazing company. And now, to my conversation with Zuby. Zuby, welcome to the Guild of Dads podcast. How's it going, Joe? Yeah, not bad, not bad. For a for an evening in January, the world's go- actually no February now. February is going February, so bloody yeah. fast. I the work the you know the year is the year's running away with me, and I just don't know where it's going. But uh, yeah, it's all good. It's all good, man. I'm very pleased to have you d- uh, on here uh, with us this evening, uh, and the reason for it is that I first uh, came across you a little while back, and the reason I kind of kind of came across you was that. In what I do at Guild of Dads is obviously helping dads to be the kind of best versions of versions of themselves and showing up as role models to the kind of next generation stuff. Mm. And what what happened sort of last year was on the periphery of my kind of existence, if you like, I began to hear about people like Jonathan Haidt, uh, Jordan Peterson, and various different kind of people who, who were kind of on the periphery of my sort of awareness, if you like, and mm-hmm. and. I'd sort of grown up, you know, in the in the eighties in in the UK. So it was it was it was a very different time to what it is now. And over the sort of decades, you, you've heard this kind of term, political correctness, going mad. And and towards the back end of last year, I was like, well, I'm actually encountering more and more of this just because of the conversations that I'm getting into around dad mm-hmm. topics, around masculinity, and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and so over Christmas, I. I read Douglas Murray's book and I read Andrew Doyle's book and I thought I need to kind of get a little bit of a grasp of what's going on with this. And to be honest with you, man, it kind of shocked me where we are with all this at the moment because it's just not its just not a world that was in the, the, that I kind of recognised. And I was like, what is going on here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and I began to follow you and a number of other different people who were sort of commentating on it and talking about it. And I was like, so... So how have we ended up where we are today? And 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 that is obviously going to be my starting point and my question for you: Who is Zuby, and 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 how have you ended up in this in this world that we that we're about to discuss on tonight's podcast? <laughs> so who is Zuby? So um, I am an independent rapper, author, podcaster, coach, and social media commentator. I guess. Um, I've been making music since, wow, 2005. I've released five albums and three EPs to date with um, another one coming out this spring. I wrote and released my first book, Strong Advice, Zuby's Guide to Fitness for Everybody in 2019. And that sold several thousand copies independently. Um, I, I do a lot of things. I, I'm known for by different people for different things. So 
I'm someone who really, really started out and built my name up initially as a musician. Um, but in this day and age, you know, there's hundreds of thousands of people all around the world who know me from all these different avenues. So, um, I'm someone who tries to inspire and motivate and uplift people and empower people in the true sense. Um, and everything I do is centered around that, you know, ins- inspiration. That's what, that's everything. Everything thing I do is based around that. My North Star is to have a positive, ins- um, be a positive inspiration to over 10 million people and make a significant impact on their lives in some way, mm. shape or form. That's mm. my mission in life. So mm. everything I do is centered around that. Yeah. And it shows, and it shows the content that you, that you put out is very, it's very straight and it's very to the point and it's very yeah. logical. And I think it cuts like a hot knife through butter with a lot of the kind of noise that there is like at, at the moment. D- did you end up being a commentator or was that something you set out to do or did it come logically through the music or? Yeah, so that's a good question. I mean, so I guess as a rapper, you are a social commentator to some degree, mm. just by nature. Um, but in terms of doing anything outside of my music specifically, that really started coming up more to a head in 2020, 20, sorry, in 2018. Um, I mean, I've been a lot of the stuff I talk about online, which you may see or hear in podcasts or see on my Twitter and stuff. A lot of it is things that I've been thinking about and speaking about privately for a decade plus. Um, and anyone who, you know, knows me personally, a lot of those conversations and things like I've had, but I used to keep that stuff very much in private. Um, and then in 2018, due to a whole bunch of factors, I just started using my Twitter specifically to just talk a bit more on some of these topics. Um, I used to have like a strict sort of, you know, no, no politics, no religion, no, no major potentially polarizing social commentary on my social media. And that all broke down in 2018. And I started amassing a lot of new followers actually from breaking that rule. Um, and I started building a much bigger following in, in the USA in particular. So I kept on doing it. And then in February 2019, I, of course, I had my famous viral deadlift tweet. At the time I tweeted that, I mean, I had, I had under 20,000 followers when I tweeted that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now after Twitter's whacked 20,000 off my account, um, you know, well over three, you know, over 320,000. So the past two years, my audience growth has been insane. You know, my mm-hmm. YouTube channel has increased by multiples. Every, every platform's increased by multiples. And, you know, even in terms of real life or well, when we're allowed to go out and interact and I'm able to travel, the amount of people who just know me and recognize me now, people of all ages, everywhere, UK, USA, all over, um, has just gone up so significantly. Um, people discovering me through different platforms and different channels and, you know, liking and appreciating what I'm doing in different ways. So it's beautiful to be able to take such a big step closer to that goal of being a positive inspiration and having some kind of impact on all the, that many people. And, you know, I'm, I'm still a young man, you know, I've still got many, many decades to, uh, to go, uh, got Lord willing. So I'm very excited about where it's all gonna, where it's all gonna go and just sort of seeing the type of impact mm. I can have on, on this earth. Mm. Do you think it resonates because you're, you're, you're willing to say the stuff that other people wouldn't say in public and mm-hmm. also that they, feel as if they've been silenced from saying for a very long time in some cases. Yeah, I feel like I speak for a lot of people. And I, I didn't even, I, I didn't go out there. To, I mean, I've, I guess as a rapper, I've always wanted to be a voice for people in some way, shape or form. 
but not necessarily in the way that it's come to a head now, right? With all this, uh, you were talking about, you know, like political correctness and like all this weird <laughs> woke stuff going on or identity politics, all this stuff. Like I never, I didn't, I mean, I, I did see it coming from maybe around 2013, 2014. I started to see it creeping into society a lot more and I was talking to people about it privately. Um, but I never sort of sought out to be a strong, you know, to be one of the more prominent voices, I guess, opposed to that mm -hmm. or in support of um, another perspective. So it's kind of weird how I found myself there because I don't really think that I have changed that much. Like I've become more sort of confident and bold and assured in, in certain things and been able to articulate some of my thoughts and positions better over the years. But um, I'm, it's not like I was someone who ever, you know, I'm not someone who sort of drastically changed my political, social or cultural views at any point during this whole time. I've been in the public eye to any degree. Mm. Um, and even before that, I mean, since my since being a teenager, I've probably become a little bit more libertarian. And, that, and that's about it. Like, I'm not someone who sort of had some huge epiphany and switch sides or whatever. Like, I just I've just kind of been there. Mm -hmm. um all that's happened is more people know me and i talk about some stuff more not because i even love to talk about all this stuff all the time but because it has to be done otherwise i think there's a lot of bad ideas that are kind of going unchecked mm -hmm. and i think that a big reason why we've even reached this stage is because people stay silent right i'm always in, i'm constantly encouraging people to speak up more and to be not to be cowards and to have a little bit of courage and boldness and bravery and you know, if they're in school, if they're in university, if they're in their workplace, whatever it is, if you're seeing a really bad idea sort of pop popping up there or you're seeing some of these insidious ideas kind of taking hold of people or taking hold of companies or taking hold of institutions or whatever to, to say, hey, like, actually, no, I'm not I'm not totally I'm not comfortable with this. Here's mm -hmm. my here's why I have a think this is a bad idea. Or, hey, have you thought about this perspective or whatever? Because the truth is, a lot of these ideas aren't actually all that popular, mm. um, but they're just running unopposed. And they're running unopposed because the majority of people are not speaking out. You know, they're leaving it up to myself and Andrew Doyle and Douglas Murray and, you know, people who are more willing to just be forthright with calling BS on some of this stuff. Mm. But yeah, sure, you always need sort of culture warriors, but. Everyone needs to do that in their own little way if they really want to push back against some of these uh, more insidious and very divisive ideas. Mm. And some of it's become quite pernicious. And, and when I look at it, a lot of the stuff that's going on online, I look at it from also like an offline perspective as well. So, yes. for instance, like, you know, if I was walking along the local high street where I live and someone walked up to me and said, black is white and white is black. And I stared back at them and said, no, that's not right. Black is black and white is white. Mm. And then they said, no, white is black and black. Is, and, and, you know, and this is kind of what the conversations are getting like now where someone yes. will, it's, it's almost like someone will walk up to you and they're picking a fight out of nowhere over something which is just so bizarre and we know to uh -huh. be factually incorrect. Yes. And one way I described this on a discussion with, I did a discussion recently and this is going to air tomorrow, funnily enough, and it was with, a uh, someone who was mentored by uh, Viktor Frankl, a guy called Alex Patakos, and we unpackaged this concept of meaning and how this relates to what's happening at the moment. And and in our discussion, we talked about this kind of concept whereby, you know, it's like we're trying to reinvent the wheel, 
You know, we know mm-hmm. that the wheel is the thing that 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 you can run cars on and bicycles on, and you know that is that is the fixed thing that they've not found a better way to run a vehicle than on wheels. Okay, and it's yeah. like someone's come along and said, actually, we're going to run all these vehicles on square wheels from now on, and we know mm-hmm. logically that's not going to work. It's just simply yeah. not going to work. But in actual fact, what what's happening is there at the minute it seems as if kind of rules and regulations are being built around the premise that society is going to operate on square wheels rather than round mm-hmm. wheels that we've known yes. for, for years is is yeah. is what works does that make any sense and it's kind of yeah, yeah. and no one's it challenging makes, that it makes perfect sense it, yeah it makes it makes perfect sense and you know i think this is um i think this is one of the dangers of i think this is the weakness of liberalism and when I say liberalism, I mean in the proper sense, right? Like in the proper sort of classical liberal sense. I think the danger of it, I think liberalism is a great thing. And a lot of the advancements made in our modern Western societies largely stem as a result from it. I think, however, it's soft underbelly is that I think it's twofold. I think, I think it's number one is that it's, it can be too tolerant. <laughs> right. It, it, so obviously tolerance is a is a major value of liberalism, but it's also a weak point because it means that it can easily be superseded or supplanted by something that is less tolerant than it. Hmm. Right. So so whether that came, it doesn't matter if it comes from the so-called right or the so-called left, but anything that's more authoritarian and more willing to, to you know, so. It, that, it's almost like, um, it, it, yeah, its strength is also its weakness in that sense. So whether this is this kind of like new, woke, intersectional, secular religion thing that's kind of setting in and parasitizing into all these different institutions, this whole like woke culture wave, or it were, I don't know, some aspects of like identity politics or just any form of something that's more authoritarian, um, there's not liberalism doesn't have strong natural defenses about against that Mm. because it can't you know obviously the it's there's pro freedom of speech right so it's not like oh you can just kind of silence anything that goes against this or just or or you know ban it or do this or that and there's also the idea of like every idea almost has to be entertained it doesn't matter how Mm -hmm. stupid the idea it is it doesn't matter how clearly absurd the idea is everything must be tolerated Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so i think there are forces and there are people who recognize that and they use that weakness to kind of supersede it Mm. you see what i mean yeah kind of there's no defenses it's just like okay well welcome in everybody i mean this same threat could come from i know this is you know something that's some people consider a taboo but the same it's the same threat that could come from um say something like islam right so I grew up in, in I grew up in the Islamic world. I grew up in Saudi Arabia. Okay, and in Saudi Arabia, do you know how many churches there are? I'm not even going to try and hazard a guess. Zero. Okay, so you're not allowed to build churches in Saudi Arabia. How many synagogues are there? Zero. You're not allowed to build any religious building except a mosque. Okay, and that's very non-liberal. <laughs> okay, that's very very non-liberal. But on the same at the same time, so it's interesting because. I, I see this from both sides. So as someone who grew up in the Middle East, I see that. But then I also see in the UK, um, especially when it comes to the left side of the aisle, you know, like people who call themselves liberals, 
they're very, very quick to capitulate to Islam and to be to totally accommodate it and whatever, despite the fact that there are many aspects of it that go directly opposed to some of their other thoughts and beliefs, you know, about you know feminism or LGBT stuff or whatever, right? Mm. These things are not totally compatible. And anyone who like has a brain and actually thinks about these things can recognize that. But it, it's very easy to to sort of use that sort of tolerance and naivety almost to come in and supersede it. So it doesn't matter if it comes from there. It can come from like this whole weird woke thing. It can come from anything, anything that's more ideologically authoritarian has the ability, it seems, to supplant that. And I think that perhaps as a society, we need to think about how to balance these things in a healthy way long term so that, sure, you can be tolerant and accepting and have true diversity of thought and opinion and ideology and all that, but not be not be so weak with it, shall we say, that you just allow something else to come and grow and grow and grow to a point where it's like, oh, my gosh, like we now are living under, you know, we're, we're now living under some whole different regime and ideology. And at this point, you can't really even dissent or escape yeah. from it or whatever the case may be. And that does seem to be coming from kind of a, a couple different sides. Mm. And I think also there's because there's that chill that people don't want to even talk about that. Right. So a lot of the stuff I've just said, a lot of people would be really uncomfortable to say they're like, oh, my gosh, you can't you can't talk about that or you can't talk about this. And it's like, well, if you can't talk about anything, then that's actually that that that's the nail in the coffin because that 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 puts it all yeah that's how it happens right as soon as the average person is afraid to say actually do you know what like i don't think i i think if you're born male i don't think you should be able to compete against women in sport like at a pro level i think that's a bad idea i think that's quite dangerous and unfair right the average person is is a lot of people are is getting the stage where people are afraid to say that mm. so uh, it's it's an obvious thing it's an yeah. absurd notion that a biological male should just be able to walk into a female competition, claim to be a woman, and people are like, that's now a woman, right? Absurd idea. This, this, mm. this, if you told someone that even in 2010, people would have been like, what are you talking about? Like, that, that's stupid. Like, we're not going to let, yeah. it's not going to go that far, right? Like, people, yeah. <laughs> people aren't, people aren't going to stand for that. And here we are now, many years later, I'm the British women's deadlift champion. Um, we're seeing videos coming out every day of, women in the uk and the usa and canada having their records shattered by people with xy chromosomes and penises um aka men and you're not allowed to you're not supposed to say anything like that's mm. some kind of heresy yeah. um you know someone could be six foot five with a deep voice and a beard and a penis but if they say that they're a woman you're supposed to be so woke that you're just like okay well that's a woman because mm. magic you know yeah and then, yeah. Two minutes later, those same people are talking about how they how they love science. And you're just kind of like, well, you know, the, the and the reason why that particular issue is disturbing, I think, is because that's not, um, you know, people can have opinions all day long. People are always going to have different opinions. But if we cannot even agree on the same facts, then that's a really dangerous and deranging place for a society to be. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you said, if someone is telling you black is white and white is black. When you know damn well that black is black and white is white, if someone is telling you that two plus two equals five, when you know damn well and have always known that two plus two equals four, 
if you let that slide, then anything goes. Like yeah. you're, you're now that you're now at a stage where you you've allowed people to just make up reality. So so that yeah. now, okay, we're not even debating opinions anymore now, right? You're literally not arguing from the same reality yeah. of facts, right? If one person thinks two plus two equals four, and the other thinks two plus two equals five, you you can't do mathematics anymore. Yeah, like you can't do mathematics with that person because the whole system is now broken. Yeah, and the thing is, is I say to friends of mine, I say, look, it's reaching a point now where I could declare myself as a little green man from Planet Zog, and mm-hmm. and and then I could uh, lash out at people for not referring to me as Zogist, and. Yes. And people laugh at me and smile when I say that, and I'm like, and I'm like, and I'm like, you want to see some of the stuff that I read online, and yeah. we're probably about one stage removed from that at this pro- mm-hmm. this precise moment in time, and 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 it probably is just a matter of time until someone does do that. But yes. it's this is the kind of point that we're getting to, and to your point on tolerance, I think that I think when I look back to when I was sort of, you know, when I was growing up, which was kind of you know twenty odd years ago now. Um, tolerance was seen as a virtue. It was seen as something that was like a, a good thing. But I yes. think now, for a lot of people, tolerance is being cool with something that they're really not that cool with and not being able to say anything about it. So <laughs> yeah, it, it, you know what it's it shifted. That, that's, not, that's, not to, that's not tolerance, that's mm. cowardice. Mm. That's the line between tolerance and cowardice, though. Yeah. Right? If you're acting in fear, right? To- tolerance is rooted in maturity and empathy, primarily i'd say right tolerance is rooted in maturity and empathy right so okay we don't agree on this thing or we have these different perspectives but we're both mature and respectful and have enough empathy to understand okay not everyone sees the world exactly the way i do people are different so okay cool like we'll we'll tolerate that live and let live we can be civil Mm. right but if someone but but if someone is acting out of fear then it's cowardice right if the fear is i don't want to lose my job or I don't want to get canceled, or I don't want to lose my social media account. Or as soon as you're acting out of fear, it's no longer tolerance; it's cowardice, mm. right? Yeah. That's so a good point. I think people conflate those things because nobody wants to admit to being coward. No one wants to admit to having fear or being any type of coward. Mm. Um, and so it's easier to just say, "Oh, I'm being tolerant," or or even to run the opposite direction. And to I think that's what a lot of these activists do. Or I think of these lot of a- activists. I think what they're doing is rooted in fear, right? They want to be the last to get eaten. Mm. Right. So they, they instead it's like, if you can't beat them, join them kind of thing. Right. Yeah. So it's like, oh, actually, I'm going to just go to that side because it's safer right now because this is where the mob is. And I don't want them that raging mob to come after me on Twitter or to come after me or whatever. So let me let me just repeat what they're saying, even if it doesn't make sense, even if it's not whatever. And I can and not only that, but I can also win some, you know, narcissistic virtue points for it as well by, you know, I can go on Twitter and right trans women are women 16 times with you know some emojis and that'll get get me a thousand likes and maybe net me some new woke followers um or i can go and you know take the whatever whatever the popular not even popular whatever the sort of trending progressive position is on anything people do that but a lot of it is not rooted in love it's not rooted in tolerance it's not rooted in kindness it's not rooted in empathy a lot of it is rooted in cowardice and a lot mm. of it's rooted in the desire to you know, control and manipulate. It's almost like, um, yeah, I mean, and if you've ever dealt with some of these people, then you know that these are not, you know, kind, altruistic, lovely people, <laughs> right? They're not, right? It's just, that's why it annoys me that they kind of get away with it because I'm like, no, like, you're not gonna, 
you're not going to pull this one on me because I, mm. I see through your stuff, right? Mm. There's a difference between there's a difference between a genuine like, um, you know, altruistic uh, activist or someone who's trying to like legitimately do good versus someone who's a so-called social justice warrior who just goes there and isn't really making any positive difference in the world, but is you know using their sort of status and identity sometimes even to you know bully other people or to say awful stuff and kind of get away with it and mm. do all that kind of stuff you know like yeah. i've seen through it for a very long time I, I also i also am in music and entertainment so i see this stuff i, I i'm quite familiar with the sort of archetype of person mm. and i'm like these people are scumbags like they're not they're not good people mm. so i don't buy it. i don't buy it in the way that a lot of other people yeah will when I'm seeing these celebrities or some of these, oh, I'm like, you people are scumbags. Like you're not, you're mm. not what you're trying to portray. Yeah. And it's interesting. I come and get up against this more and more, particularly in dad's groups and, and men's, okay. group, men's groups, more and more now um, where there is kind of blatant virtue signaling. And a lot of the time it, there isn't, what to your point on, on you know, kind of meeting in the middle and actually wanting to be part of the solution, people that genuinely want to be part of the solution, they'll be looking at differences and saying, oh, "Okay, where can we where can we find middle ground on this, and where can we move forward to have a solution on this?" But more and more now, I'm finding that people just want to argue for the sake of arguing, and 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 what I what is quite interesting as well is that there doesn't seem to be any social etiquette around it either. So you'll have men on men's groups, you know, saying about you know self-declaring oh my problem is because of toxic masculinity or something like that and you're like hang on a minute you're not sitting in your hr department in 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 a, in a uh, corporation in london you're in a men's group talking to other men and it did it just maybe cross your mind that they might might find that term just mildly offensive in a men's group possibly <laughs> but it's interesting yeah, how easy easily a lot of this stuff is rolling off the tongue because yeah. they're used to, because they're just used to repeating it parrot fashion in mm-hmm. in 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 other spheres of life if you like sort of thing yeah it's it's indoctrination and um you know i think a large part of how i've been able to totally avoid it is the fact that you know i've been self-employed for nine years so I'm not I'm not in any of these circles where I can be brainwashed. I sold my TV 12 years ago. Like I stay away from stuff that can, you know, like I'm just very I'm very hyper aware of the forces that are out there trying to manipulate people, right? Like I mean, I I, I tweeted something earlier today just about how it's crazy how parents are sending their children off to university for 3 or 4 years to get saddled with six-figure debt and to become brainwashed and stupid which is literally what's happening to millions and millions of people there. I've had, I've had people message me and telling me about how much they regret sending their son or daughter to university and how that they came back hating their own parents and becoming full-blown Marxists or communists or, like, or, or, you know, just like becoming worse people. And I'm just like, this is happening all over the USA, all over Canada, all over the UK. I'm like, man, stuff is, stuff has changed even since I graduated. Like stuff is, stuff has changed like people just need to be very aware and conscious of the of the forces out there and how powerful they are mm-hmm. um especially when something like a university gets infected because i mean a, a university is supposed to be a bastion for education and free speech and having your views challenged and meeting new people and all this so when it's universities that are propagating these ideas when it's uh, respected institutions when it's you know respected 
magazines or publishers or, you know, there was something I saw come out in the, the Lancet um, earlier today where they're talking about how they need to start taking critical race theory more seriously in the medical community. I'm, I'm like, what is like everything's been infected, everything, hmm. every single company, every university, every organization has to some degree been infected with this intersectional woke social justice nonsense like everything mm. there's stuff you think is safe and it's like oh pff, well they got them too right <laughs> you know it's like it, it's crazy it, it blows my mind and um it, and it, like i just i hear stories from people all the time because i've become a little bit of like a, a a lightning rod for this stuff i get people dms emails messages you know young people older people telling me just all of the crazy stuff that they're witnessing you know, yeah. in the other day I saw in, um, in a school in California, they had a parent as a parent's teacher's evening and, um, they literally, it was racially segregated, right? They had one room for the parents of white students and another room for the parents of, uh, POC non-white students in 2021, <laughs> right? So they brought back racial segregation. I saw something from MIT when they're offering yoga specific yoga classes for black people and people of color. So they've literally brought back racial segregation under the banner of so-called anti-racism and people are going along with this. And I'm just like, what is wrong with you people? Are you, are you people insane? Can you not see, it's reverse. Can you not see what's going it's on basically here? A role <laughs> it's a role reversal, isn't it? Basically, it's, it's, just... it's the same thing with a different label. Yeah. It's literally the same thing with a different label. They're going back to the 1940s Jim Crow segregation stuff. And I'm just, and, and they're labeling it under the banner of anti-racism and progressivism mm. and people are just buying it at, that's at the surface level. Mm. And I'm just like, come on people. Like, can we, uh, can, can, can you not see what's going on here? Can mm. you not see how people are being pitted against each other? Can you not yeah. see how this is not good for anybody? If you pit men against women, that's not good against men. That's not good for men. That's not good for women. If you pit you know, black people against white people or white people versus everybody else under this banner of mm. POC or BIPOC or BAME or whatever these stupid terms are, then like, you know, how, I don't see how people think that's like a step forward. Like, <laughs> it, it blows my mind. I'm just like, oh, wait, can you, how can you not see what's going on here? Right. They're treating human beings like laundry. Like most people, most decent people in this modern age do not care about other people's skin color mm. we just don't it's 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 you you see it like you see like we have eyes but that's it right i'm talking to joe you're talking to zuby i'm not there like oh i'm speaking to a, a white man so i need to do this differently or i need to treat you're just like wait what and i don't want someone to talk to me and be like oh like i need to yeah. change the way that i that yeah. i speak or change i'm just like no like stop just just be normal don't like just just be normal like everyone just just chill just be normal and i'm really and, and i'm really glad you said that and i'm and 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 listeners need to understand that zuby is probably one of the few people that i'm going to actually be able to have this discussion with in the way i'm having this discussion this evening but i seg segueing on to the, the back a little bit towards music when I was in, in the sixth form at school, I grew up in southeast London. So, you know, we had a mixture of people at our secondary school. So, you know, there were black kids, Chinese kids, Asian kids. You know, it was a real mixed melting point, pot to what you to what you just said. You know, you just didn't really – it was just we – we were all different, but we were all the same. But, yeah. you know, we some of us 
you know, had different backgrounds and stuff and that. But in my teens, my mates were into Ocean Colour Scene and Oasis. I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I was into I was into R and B, soul, disco and house. So what we would typically do, you know, back in the uh, this would be back in the late nineties, I suppose. So we'd go to R and B nights up in London. Typically they were off Oxford Oxford Street and it would be there was one specifically that we went to which was Club 8090. It had choice DJs, ex-Kiss DJs, and, you know, it was predominantly R&B, hip-hop. Um, there might have been some ragger and stuff there. And mm. we used to go up there. There was me and my brother, a couple of mates, and we were literally four white guys in a predominantly black club. And mm. I'd come back to school, you know, or or college or whatever it was on a Monday, and people say, what are you out to the weekend? And I was like, oh, we went up to 809. I like, what, you got up there? And I was like, yeah. And uh, they were like, well, what was it like? And I was like, yeah, it was fine. Why? Yeah. And they were like, well, wasn't it a bit dark? And I was like, well, <laughs> it's it's an R&B, hip-hop and ragga night. What do you expect? But, yeah. you know, I think they thought that, you know, I was going to go, we were going to go to these clubs and there was going to be, you know, guns and stabbings and shootings mm-hmm. and we were going to get beaten up and whatever stuff. Everyone was there for the music. No one really yeah. cared what anyone looked like. Everyone was yeah. there for the music. And 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 throughout my sort of late teens and early 20s, that was the kind of music I was into. So I went to, you know, Soul Weekenders. And I went to, so again, it was a melting point. Everyone was there for the music. You know, we weren't going around with like a clipboard going, oh, hang on a minute. Have we, <laughs> have we hit a quota of how, how diverse this dance floor is or whatever and stuff yeah. and that, you know, and... And I was and I was pondering on this the other day. You know, if someone was to, you know, if there was a thousand people at a house night and someone walked in and said, oh, "Actually, no, I don't, I don't like house. I want you to play Oasis." And if you don't play Oasis, it's against my human rights. And they got the yeah. DJ to change. But what? I'm, what I'm, <laughs> but this is the kind of where it's going these days. But what I'm yeah. what I'm getting at is we just did, for for people like me who are in our late thirties, yeah. early forties, we th- we were like, "Hang a minute, where all." Where has this all come from in the last year, eighteen months? Yeah, because we just didn't see this, and people would say, "Well, it's all—it's easy for you to say, Joe, because you're you're a working class white guy from <laughs> Southeast London, yeah. so you've never walked in the shoes of a of a, of a black mm. guy." And that's true, but mm-hmm. I can't. There's nothing I can do about that. You know, that's not. Of course. You know, that's <laughs> there's nothing. There's and but I think what what's no, happening yeah, now is and, is, and, yeah. is there's, there's this like hang on a minute it's your fault that you can't walk in my shoes well of course I can't walk in your shoes look I've got I've got I've got grey hair I've got <laughs> I, it's impossible for me to walk in my sh- in, in your shoes I can understand that that probably usually you've encountered racism throughout your lifetime but it's impossible for me to put myself in your shoes because I it's physically impossible for me to do that I'm going to jump in here very quickly. If you have listened for any period of time, you will know that I place a massive value in having a group of other men around you to elevate what you think is possible for yourself. I want to tell you about the exclusive brotherhood I've put together called the Dad Circle, which is a group of dads committed to improving themselves in a number of areas in order to become the men and dads they always wanted to be. Not just this, but hardwired into the fabric of this brotherhood are a number of features, including weekly Zoom calls, monthly topics, challenges and assignments, together with a growing library of resources, fitness and mental challenges. You'll get just the accountability that you're looking for when you're surrounded by a group of other men looking to level up and go on a journey in exactly the same way. 
If this resonates with you and you would like to find out more, head on over to www.thedadscircle.com forward slash join. That's thedadscircle.com forward slash join. Yeah, but, yeah and, and vice versa. Right? Yeah. Forget that every, people forget that everything is a two-way street, mm. right? So, you know, I, like pe- people, I don't, I don't know. It's just, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a funny one. It's like, I mean, I, I'm totally with you in terms of like the way I was raised and how I grew up and where I grew up and whatever. Like all this stuff was just irrelevant and it still is to me. Um, the only reason I even talk about it is because to, to combat it, you have to, right? Like that's the only reason it, it you know, I'd, I'd very happily never have another, never conversation about race in my life ever again. And I'd, I'd live happily. Um, like I just don't care. Um, but yeah, I think that, um, there was, there was a point I was, what was the point I was just about to make? I think that. How would I put it? I mean, this is, it's funny. It's like the reason why this whole thing that's going on is stupid and unnerving is it's the same reason why actual racism itself is and has always been stupid, right? It's, it's really stupid. Like whether you're talking about like racism or this like racism under the guise of anti-racism, the whole thing, identity politics, like critical to me, it's all stupid. Like it's really, really like I have so much contempt for it because it's genuinely beneath me, right? <laughs> like it's genuinely beneath me. I'm like, what? It's 2021 and y'all are still here like arguing like black, white, brown, like literally if you remove this top, like not even one centimeter, couple millimeters of flesh from myself or yourself, we look the same. Everybody in this world if you like literally we're, we're all this stuff we're talking about like the most superficial <laughs> right it's the same reason why it's why racism is stupid right imagine like the concept that someone someone hates someone because they have a different colored epidermis because they have a different level of melanin content in their skin mm. like when you actually think about it you're like that's so stupid mm. like that is so 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 dumb if you've ever seen one of those like human muscular charts that you see in gyms or like in a biology class or something where it has like the the human anatomy, right? Without the skin. So you can see the muscles and the... tell me what race that person is. Mm-hmm. You don't know, right? <laughs> yeah. You don't know. Like it could be a white guy. It could be an Arab person. It could be a black guy. You don't know. Like we all literally anatomically were the same. Like God gave us like a layer outside that looks a little bit different. So to hate someone based on it, to make huge assumptions about someone based on it, to segregate people based on it, to do whatever. I'm just like, this is all stupid. Like, yeah. this is dumb. Like, I'm, I'm a, I'm an intelligent, high, I don't know, high consciousness individual. <laughs> so the very notion of all this stuff, I'm, I'm like, this is laughable to me. Like, whether mm. this is someone being racist and, you know, treating someone based on this, or this is someone who's like, perpetuating all this ideology but i'm just like y'all are dumb like Mm -hmm. you guys are stupid like i don't know i don't know what your problem is but like let me know when you're ready to join the rest of us like yes we've advanced beyond this yeah because not everyone because not every i just and to your point you know people like within my kind of age group and the people i speak to Mm -hmm. they just don't even think it's a 
they don't even <laughs> it's think it's a thing. It's not even it's yeah. not even a thing. Like this idea that all of us are like you know um, conspiring to hate amongst among hate <laughs> against other people. Actually, most people have got better things to think think about than that. <laughs> but I think I think what's interesting though is like yeah. I've always talked to my I've always talked personally. I've always seen racism as actually like a hatred. Yeah, there's a hatred and there's a malice and there's a mm-hmm. and there's and there's something really kind of quite nefarious about it. But I think there's I think what's happened is I think people have tried to um like everyone distinguishes themselves from other people. So sure. Zuby's got a grey t shirt. If you're watching this on YouTube, Zuby's got a grey t shirt on, I've got a blue t shirt on. Because I notice that he's got a grey t shirt on doesn't mean that I'm being like derogatory to Zuby <laughs> or th- yeah. or talking down to him or thinking any less of him because he's got a grey t shirt on. <laughs> But that's the kind of level it identifies as yellow, actually. Yeah, well, actually, you know, you're you're sort of white <laughs> and grey. Actually, mine's kind of mine's kind of red, so that's that's an alarming colour. But the point <laughs> I'm making is is that people people are differentiating between themselves and other people all the time. Sure. But there's net, but there's ninety nine point nine percent of the time that is not a malicious differentiation. You know, if I was to walk into a sports hall and there was a hundred people with a red t shirt on and hun- and one person with a white t shirt on, I was blindfolded. And I took the blindfold off, and I had a red T-shirt on. The chances mm-hmm. are I'm going to go and stand with the people with the red T-shirts on. I'm not going to go and stand mm-hmm. with, the, with the guy with the white T-shirt on. But that's just that's just kind of human. That's that's just human nature, isn't it? Because you want to sure. be with people that are like you. But mm-hmm. being with people that are like you doesn't necessarily mean there's any kind of anything pernicious or nefarious about it. But I think this the, at this moment in time, that's how it's mm-hmm. being portrayed. Yeah. Do you, do you know what it, do you know what I think it is? is I've, n- I've never actually articulated this before but it just it just hit me and it's a really obvious thing it's a really really obvious thing but it's not something you hear articulated a lot which is that racism and a lot of other isms like the negative ones which when it comes to sort of negative discrimination is they stem from obsessing over the particular attribute too much that's what it stems from Racism results from obsessing and thinking too much about race. Firstly, race is not like a well-defined category, right? It's quite socially constructed, ironically. Um, but racism results when people just think about race too much, mm. right? And they, they obsess over it, right? You're every, you walk into a room and the first thing you notice is how many black people there are, how many white people, what the ratios are. How many Asian people have like, like bean counting, right? Like that's what people do. It's why I, I, it's why I think that's why a lot of this, what's going on now concerns me because people are being made to become more conscious of race than they previously were. Hmm. And I think that creates more racism because now people are thinking about like, I don't want, I think the ideal, the ideal would be for race to be as to be as relevant as like eye color or hair color or height like you notice it mm. right you, you see people's eye color you see the hair color but the idea that you would like treat someone different based on them being brunette or blonde or having gray hair or having like it, it sounds so absurd mm. right it, it, and, but and that's as absurd as i think racism or like racial obsession is but i think that by forcing people to obsess over it Right. By sitting white people down and giving them lessons about white privilege and how they're in, inadvertently supporting white supremacy and how black people this and like all, all of this stuff and in, in, 
ingraining this stuff in, you know, young black people and young Asian people and whatever, and, you know, forcing them to see this, like forcing them to not, not just to see it, but to assume there's some sort of power or privilege or hierarchy or obs- like, like, I'm like, this is not good. Like mm. none of this stuff is good. This is like, I'm like, I'm like, yo, Hitler would be loving this. I'm like, what are you guys doing? The KKK would be loving this. This is what they wanted, right? Like, okay, we need to make sure that you're very conscious. You know, these are the white people. These are the Aryan people. These are the Jews. These are the blacks. These are the, like, we, they, we, we need you to be very racially conscious. I'm like, that's what the bad guys do. <laughs> you know? yeah. like, like, that's what the bad guys do. Like, all if you look throughout history, look through most horrible racist stuff in history. It's like they force people to be super cognizant and super hyper racially conscious Mm. and this is the same thing like whether someone's an actual white supremacist fortunately there aren't too many of those these days or someone is like one of these like super you know far left identitarian woke pot like they're very similar they're like hyper racial conscious like they can't they just see the world literally in black and white and they try to get other people to do the same thing even when we don't want to we're like, no, like, I don't, I'm not interested. I have, we, we all have friends who are all different things. We live in these communities. We all get on. We, we, we enjoy it. We like it. You can meet people of, from everywhere. Different, like, who cares? Great. I've got access to all these awesome potential people, you know? Um, so don't, don't try to force me to see the world in this identitarian fashion. So mm. I think that's, um, I think that's the danger. So I think that people need to, hold that ground of being like you know what no we're not gonna no we're not gonna we're, we're not gonna play this game yeah i'm not gonna play this game i'm not actually interested in ingraining this stuff in society or ingraining it in my children or yeah. you know like you have you have black parents who literally sit their kids down and like you know tell them that white people are like oppressing them and that they live in a white supremacist culture and that every single white person in the country has privilege and that because they're black they're always going to have it more difficult and people i'm like that's child abuse man Mm. that's child abuse just like it's child abuse to sit down a four-year-old white child and tell them that they're inherently privileged (laughs) and that they're always i'm just like what are you doing to your children man like this is horrible Mm. this is horrible parents shouldn't be doing this school shouldn't be doing this university shouldn't be doing this it's not it's not healthy it's not good and it's also not true yeah, <laughs> that's probably might be the worst it's, part of it. All, well, what's kind of what's kind of quite interesting is I yeah I mentioned Viktor Frankl and and when I was when I was interviewing uh, his kind of protege a few weeks back, what what we talked about was how it's a really interesting story. This so Frankl has been in a Nazi concentration camp for mm. you know arguably most of World War Two, and if there's any, if there's a definition of oppression, that is oppression. And yes. and he so he comes out and when he comes out he finds out that one of the uh, guards in the concentration camp had been going to the pharmacy in the next town and buying medical supplies and and treatments and stuff for the for the prisoners that were that were in the uh, concentration camp and when he finds this out this is where the <coughs> idea of uh, collective responsibility comes from so he you know he rejected this idea that all of the Nazis were the same and that they were all mm. responsible for what had happened because he could see that there was this one guy who had been buying medical supplies out of his own money, out of his own pocket, basically, to to aid these people in a concentration camp. And he came under a lot of fire for that after mm. World War II because people were like, no, how could you, how could you, how could you think that? See the humanity. Yeah. And this is, but this is a man that had su- survived intolerable cruelty and torture for a number of yeah. years. And to actually be able to, and 
one thing that we behind his teachings was this this notion that um, I take responsibility for my future rather than I blame other people for the past. And this, there's there's a lot of strength in that statement and that notion. And I think people could learn an enormous amount from that in this time right now because mm-hmm. I think there is so much of this kind of, I'm going to blame someone else for the past rather than actually I'm going to take personal responsibility for my future, um, yeah. which I think underpins, really does underpin the meaning that we all have in life as well. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, I think it's fascinating that in his case as well, that's for someone who was was actually directly part of the system that truly oppressed him and killed and mur- you know murdered millions, millions of people like him. Um, and we're now living in this state where people are blaming people for things that they didn't even do or that they didn't even live through or they didn't experience themselves, etc. And that's even more crazy. All right. Mm-hmm. That's even more crazy. I mean, it shouldn't be, uh, it shouldn't be, um, you know, I don't think I'm saying anything profound when I say that you and I are not guilty for the sins of anybody else or the crimes committed by anybody else. Right. It's not like if, um, I don't know, if a young, if a, <laughs> if a, if a, Go on, talk freely, if, talk freely. If, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking of, I was thinking of which example to use because there's two, right? It's like if your great grandfather or my great grandfather committed some horrible crime, neither of us are guilty of that. Yeah. Even if it was our brother or our father, neither of us are guilty of that thing, right? We didn't, we didn't do it, right? You don't just lock, you don't lock up the criminal's brother or father, right? You lock up the person who did the crime. Um, and or similarly, like if someone just shares some attributes with you, right? If a if a 35 year old man in London goes out and stabs somebody and he has and he's beard and he's uh, got a shaved head and he's wearing a great T-shirt like you don't just arrest me because I'm <laughs> because I'm a black guy who's 34 as a shaved. I'm like, well, I, I didn't do it. I'm not I'm not responsible. Right. I don't believe in collective guilt. Like that's that doesn't. That doesn't work for me. That doesn't fly. Like if someone is going to feel guilty or something or feel pride in something, it should be for what they themselves, what they themselves have done and what they're responsible for and what they're accountable for. I mean, that's our, our entire legal system is based on that concept. Mm-hmm. You don't just, you know, you get the per, like it's the person. It's not everyone else around them or someone related to them or one of their ancestors or whatever. It's like, no, you, you deal with that person. So I think it's crazy that people are walking around with some sort of like guilt or burden or something for something that they didn't do mm. or feeling so people, someone feeling oppressed for something that they didn't experience. Right. So you, someone, someone could be someone who descended from slavery or someone who descended from the Holocaust or whatever. Right. You know, maybe their great, maybe their grandfather was killed in the Holocaust, but it would be crazy for that person to act like they themselves directly are the victim or that other people who had nothing to do with it are the perpetrators. I'm like, that's such an unhealthy, again, number one, it's just factually wrong. It's just, it's just incorrect. Mm. It's logically wrong. It's not, doesn't make sense. And then also it's not, it's just a really toxic, really negative way to walk around the world looking at people with such a way, right? Like Mm. assuming that like, okay, this person is, I mean, and, and this happens in different categories. It's like you get these really sort of like hardcore feminist types, for example, these days, 
who who just blame all men for any man who's ever wronged them or any wronged any women, right? They view all men like you'll hear them say it. Just listen to them. They all they'll say things like all men are potential rapists. And you're just like, oh, like that's a hell of a thing to say, man. You know what I mean? Mm. Like who is who who protects women from these things? Like who if like there's a pro like you know, these same, they'll be talking patriarchy this. Like, as soon as they're in trouble, they're calling the patriarchy, right? They're calling the police. They're calling, you know, they need the army. They're calling the, you know, a man to change their flipping AA man to come change their tire on the road. Like, suddenly they're covering up the patriarchy when they're in trouble. And then two minutes later, it's, you know, kill all men. All men are horrible. Smash the patriarchy. All this kind of stuff. And I'm just like, yo, you people are crazy. Like, this is not a healthy way to walk through the world. Like, thinking that 50% of the whole earth's population is plotting against you yeah. and trying to keep the boot down and again it's just it's not helpful and it's not correct and it's not fair you know it's just it's just not a healthy attitude yeah and it's and and i can tell you from speaking to to a number of like leading relationship experts who have spent decades in this field that this kind of that kind of sentiment is beginning to permeate intimate relationships as well yes it is uh, and, it I've, is. and yeah. for four well-known relationship experts have told me that as a fact that it's that this that the sentiment is beginning to you know and and the idea that people are beginning to think well hang on a minute my fiance or my husband or whoever is a potential jeffrey epstein or yeah. harvey weinstein you know it's yeah. like it's and and i think it's it's infiltrate it's also infiltrating men's psyches as well i think because i think guys are beginning to get to a point where they're like well I can't actually say anything because I'm damned if I do and damned if I don't. If I can't say anything, so yes. and and it's and it's a peculiar situation because what you're what you're effectively having in intimate relationships is is is, is guys being sort of uh, <laughs> to use the word that we've just used already tonight. Guys almost being oppressed in their own relationships because they're kind of mm-hmm. gagged and silenced and stuff and that and mm-hmm. and, and a lot of. A lot of the what the stuff I do is to actually say, you know, guys, you can make your needs known in a relationship. You can have yep. boundaries in a relationship. And you can have these things, and it's not wrong for you to say what you think, sort of thing. And uh, right. but so many guys are like very scared of saying anything at the moment yes. because there is such a there is such a it's, like, um, it's a climate, a climate, and it's a very difficult thing to put your finger on. But it's a it's this sense that. I'm wrong if I say anything as a man sort of thing. And uh, uh-huh. in actual fact, it's, I think it's causing quite a lot of imbalance in a lot of, in a, in a lot of people's relationships. And, uh, yeah. and you know, a lot of, some of the work that I do with the guys on in my group, funny enough, last month we were doing Robert Glover's No One Mr. Nice Guy. And, and, and that resonates with a lot of children of what I would call baby boomers because they've kind of witnessed this kind of cultural shift, which is, almost been kind of accelerated by by this patriarchy discussion and stuff so which yeah. which kind of neat, neatly kind of segues onto my the, the other thing that I was going to ask you about because I know I overheard you speaking to the guys over at trigonometry a little while back and they asked you what was what you felt was not bit I can't remember how they, they phrase it but it's what do you think should be being discussed right now which is not and you you said said the uh, the role of fatherhood and role model and role models and this kind of stuff. Now I know you're not a father yet yourself, mm-hmm. but what's your kind of view on the? Ho- I know what I think about role models and stuff. What's your yeah. kind of take on this at the moment? 
on what aspect role models or the fatherhood part the role of role of fatherhoods and and i mean they're interlinked aren't okay. they so interlinked okay. so um i think the role of fathers i think parents have the most important job in the world and i think that the role of parents in society not just for individuals but for society and nations as a whole is impossible to overstate i think it's impossible to overstate i think so many of the issues we discuss and the problems we talk about and the things that exist in the ills that exist in modern Western society and other societies, I think it all stems from parents and family, um, of which obviously men, fathers are at least 50% of. Um, I mean, if you look at the ills of the, you can take almost any ill in our society and our culture. And you can directly correlate it with absent or poor fathers slash parents, hmm. like ev- everything, whether, whether you're talking about, um, poverty itself or you're talking about crime, you know, you hear people talk about knife crime or what I'm like, the biggest factor in knife crime is absent fathers. No? It's hmm. not, it's, it, it, it is right. Um, whatever social ill you're talking about, so much of it and so many social goods are linked also to people being raised well, right? People being yeah. raised well and going on to be a man or a woman who contributes positively to society and to the community and to the country and all of that. So I think it's, um, I think when we think of the role of parents or we think of the roles of fathers or the roles of mothers, I think people tend to, think of the scope of like their own child and perhaps their sort of like immediate family, mm-hmm. but they don't think of the wider, they don't think of the wider societal context of it. They don't really draw that through line of seeing how, oh, actually if fathers are absent or they ditch the mothers of their children or they don't play the role they're supposed to, what's the through line here? How mm-hmm. does this affect not just this child directly. I think we look at that aspect, but okay, now that this child goes off on a certain, if, if this child goes on a certain path, which they're more likely to go on if their father is absent or is not present, you know, sorry, not absent or not present, same thing. Um, then who else does this affect? Right. If this child ends up in prison, how many other people is that now affecting and how is it affecting them? If he goes on and he becomes someone who, you know, hurts other people or steals from other people or whatever. Like, how does this impact him? Let alone how it impacts the child's own psyche and emotional well-being and, you know, status and ability to go on and forge health, healthy relationships in the future and all that. Um, and I think society is afraid to talk about that because, again, there's that chill of, like, political correctness of, mm-hmm. oh, you know, everything is – we can't criticize anything because – someone might take that as a direct attack on them, right? So if you say, hey, boys need fathers, girls need fathers, you know, fathers are, fathers are important. Male role models are important in society. You'll, you'll get someone, someone will be piping up talking about how, um, that's an attack on women or it's an attack on single mothers or, oh, well, I'm a single mother and I'm doing just, and they're like, look, I'm not talking about you. We're talking generally here, Mm. right? People take things too personally. They think that if you, if you make a general statement about how children who have two parents do better, fact, right? Fact, generally speaking, you know, someone wants to chime in with, oh, well, I was raised by a single mother and I came out great. Or, oh, well, I had, you know, but what if the father is abusive? I'm like, dude, you're not being, sm- 
is, is when people try to make exceptions, when people try to make exceptions, it's like, dude, I, I know what a normal distribution curve looks like. I know how these things work. We are talking about averages. It's like, it would be like someone saying that men are taller than women. And they're like, no, that's not true. Like, I know a woman who's six foot three. And you're like, dude, I'm like, are you stupid? Like, you, you're trying to sound smart, but you're sounding really thick right here because we, we know that. that A woman being six foot three does not <laughs> negate... <laughs> does not negate the fact that men are taller than women in general, you know? Um, and so it, it, people kind of get caught up in these weeds and it's annoying because it actually stops things from getting done. Right. It get it's uh, my biggest problem. I think political correctness kills people. Mm. I don't think I know for a fact, political correctness kills a lot of people. And that might sound like a weird thing to say, but it's real because it stops people from discussing issues that need to be discussed. Right. People want to have a serious conversation about, okay, how do we reduce knife crime in London? And people won't want to have that conversation openly and honestly because of political correctness. Mm. So nothing gets done. So you never get to the root of like, okay, let's actually talk about the family. Let's talk about what's going on in these communities. Let's talk about fatherhood. Let's talk about the effects of that, right? Because that hurts people's feelings. So they're like, oh, no, let's let's talk about knife arches. Mm. Let's talk about how easy it is to buy a knife. Let's talk about like, you know, they, they want to talk about all this other nonsense. Let's talk about video games. Let's talk about music. I'm like, are you people, are you people dense? Mm. Right? No, you're not dense. You're just cowards. You're, you're afraid you're skirting around the issue because you don't want to get to the crux of it because it might hurt somebody's feelings. And that yeah. leads to more and more people getting killed because the situation, it, it can't improve because you haven't even, you're not even diagnosing, you're not diagnosing the problem correctly. Mm. And this happens in a lot of different things. So that's why I'm very, I'm very pro politeness and I'm very pro civility, but I'm very anti political correctness because mm. it, it just acts as a muzzle and it stops us from discussing real issues that need real solutions. Yeah. And, and a lot of it is often just asking the simple question of why. I mean, we used yeah. to, like back in the, you know, the 80s, we used to sometimes drive up to these, these were in days where you would actually consider taking a, taking a car and driving up to London. And, you know, we, we, my dad would drive us up to London and, and we might, you know, go for a walk around the parks or whatever and stuff, drive past Speaker's Corner. You know, that's mm-hmm. another discussion entirely sort of thing because, you know, I remember asking him as we drove past Speaker's Corner why a guy's standing on milk crates. And he was like, well, the reason they are, son, is because uh, in this country we have free speech and no matter what you think of what someone says, fundamentally they can... So this is in the 80s sort of thing. So nice. how, how things have changed <laughs> in the, since the 80s. But you drive past these, like, you know, tower blocks going through, you know, down the old Kent Road and through new cross and all the rest of it and stuff and you'd see kids like hanging around you know on street corners you know this is on a sunday afternoon so you know pretty traditional in those kind of in those days that sunday was a family day and you generally be at home or having a roast dinner and stuff and that and you begin to think well hang on a minute this was like 30 odd years ago why kids hanging around on street corners sort of thing and stuff rather than being with their family and then you sort of think well hang on a minute and and then you and then you then you sort of start to understand, well, why are kids hanging around on street corners? Why are they going into gangs? Well, yeah. the reason being is, is that, you know, if if mum's by herself and she's not got much money, dad's not there, and mm-hmm. and some of, the, some of the guys on the council estate say, well, actually, you can make 50, 100 quid selling gear and you can mm-hmm. get some new Air Max and you can get some, you know, some Jordans or whatever, um, and their mum's not got any money, dad's not around. Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. see how, like, for people 
people would say, well, how would you understand it? Because you've never lived in that situation. I don't understand yeah. it because I've not lived in that situation, but I can see how those, it doesn't take Einstein to work out how those circumstances start. Of course. Um, of course. And, and it's, and that happens the world over. That happens all over the USA. It happens all over Central and South America. It happens in, it happens in every, this happens all over the world. Like, uh, look, a boy, a boy is always going to be, a boy is always going to be raised by a man in some way, shape or form. Ideally, it'll be his father and his father will do a good job. But in the absence of his father, there'll be someone. Hmm. There's always going to be someone and like, people who recruit for gangs, they know this, right? They know, they know who to prey upon. Like they know this. This is not some, like you say, it's not rocket science. And also this coming back to something you said earlier, cause you mentioned it a couple of times, like this idea that you have to like live a certain life or experience something to have like any understanding or opinion of it is also stupid. Like there's another stupid idea that people have been like allowed to kind of get away with that you have to you know, yeah, of course, like every, every single one of us has only ever been ourselves. None of us has walked a day in anyone else's shoes. It doesn't matter if they're black, white, male, female, straight, gay, from any country, whatever. We're all just ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, but the notion that I cannot have an opinion or I can't express an opinion because I am not that, so it's, it's, it's just, it's a ridiculous idea. It's also, it's also a quite a, it's also quite a discriminatory and quite sort of, I don't know, racist or sexist or whatever idea, right? The notion that you can't empathize like, oh, no, you have no idea, mate. Like you, you're not you're not black. So you, you you there's no way you could even remotely empathize with what it's like to be someone else or like, you know, you can't even fathom. Of course, neither of us know what it's like to be a woman like in real life. I know I've identified as one or whatever as a joke, but like <laughs> Unless you lift your but, <laughs> but that doesn't mean that like anything that has to do with a woman is totally like off limits and impossible for us to understand on any level. Sure, we won't understand it as deeply and on an experiential level as a woman actually will, just like they won't know exactly what it's like to be a man. But a woman who's got some empathy can think, okay, what would it be like if I was, we've all probably thought at some point in our lives, okay, what would it be like to be a woman? Oh, I wonder what it would be like to be a man, you know, like we, we, we think about these things. So, and we talk to people, right? You know, women. So you've spoken to thousands of women in your life. So you can, you have some semblance of like, okay, these are some things that women go through that might be a bit different. These are some things men go through that might be a bit different. Um, and then also, yeah, everyone's an individual. Everyone has a different life, different background. There's a thousand millions of different factors going in. So yeah, sure. I'll never totally understand someone else's experience. But it doesn't mean that you're not allowed an opinion or you can't like talk often, often as well. It's not rare for someone to be, it's not rare for an outsider to have a clearer opinion on something either because you're not emotionally invested. So a great example is, I mean, like my, the, my, the biggest part of my following is in the USA. I, I have more followers in the USA than I do in the UK and more people who listen to my podcast and music, et cetera. And Americans, a lot of Americans like my commentary on the USA because I'm, I'm an outsider. So I, I don't have a dog in the fight, right? I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I can't vote anyway. Like I have my leanings, sure. But when I talk about stuff in the States, I'm kind of talking as an outsider. I'm like, okay, I went to California and this is what I saw. This is what I, this is what it looks like to someone who's just kind of visiting for the first time. 
or this is the way these are some ways that the UK and the USA are different. Hmm. You know, I spent some time in Dallas. Oh, here, here's how Dallas is different from London, you know? Um, and they're like, oh, cool. That's interesting. Right. And th they get insights that actually, because they're so embedded in it, they themselves don't really see. You might find that if someone, you know, comes from another country over to the UK, they can actually teach you some stuff about the UK because you, you haven't, you don't think about it. You're just like, okay, this is just how things are. But then yeah. someone else comes from outside and you're like, oh, you know what? I didn't know. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, what do you call? Oh, you call that thing something different in your country or that thing has a different name or, oh, okay. That's, oh, that's really different. Or, you know, that's, that's how we all learn. You know, mm. that's how we all learn. So yeah, we want, we want more speech. We want more speech. We want more conversation. We don't want, we don't want less of it. We don't want to be silencing people, deplatforming people, shutting people up, telling people they can't talk because they're white. You can't talk because you're this. You can't talk because you're a man. Like, Forget all that nonsense. Mm. And what's interesting as well is some of the names that we mentioned at the beginning of this conversation, it would surprise a lot of people to to know that a couple of those guys are actually gay themselves and they're talking about mm -hmm. and they're actually talking about this stuff. And that would blow a lot of people's minds because a lot of people don't realise that of the of some of the names I've met, you know, like Douglas mm -hmm. and Andrew, you know, Dave a lot of Dave people, Rubin. Dave Rubin as well. Yeah. Like and 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 what was kind of one of the weirdest things for me when I first sort of started delving into this as well, is I'd always assumed it was left versus right, but actually mm. it's actually woke versus non-woke in a lot of respects, yeah. <laughs> yes. which kind of blew my mind listening to the guys on trigonometry because I was like, hang a minute, you guys are both lefties. What are you talking about this for? And I was like, hang a minute, this yeah. is, now Now this is confusing me a little bit. So, but yeah. It's, yeah. it's, I don't know, it could just, it could just, it could just go on to infinity really, but it's, it's very, listen, it's been a really refreshing conversation with you and this is one of the reasons that I wanted to, speak to you because I like having conversations with people where you can play around with some different ideas and then somewhere in the middle you get that insight which I think we hopefully we've done a couple of times in this conversation tonight and yeah. uh but it's just nice having real talk on the level if that makes any sense so yeah man 100% I appreciate it um where is the best way for people to find out for you not that it's difficult to find out about you <laughs> <laughs> um sure so you can find me on all social media at zuby music z-u-b-y music i'm on twitter definitely follow me there i'm also on instagram youtube and facebook um you can check out my own podcast real talk with zuby on all platforms spotify itunes etc you can also get my music on there just search for my name zuby um and my book strong advice zuby's guide to fitness for everybody is also available on my website, teamzuby.com. So you can check that out there. All right. Excellent. Excellent. There's one last question that I'm going to ask you, which I've not set you up for, but I ask everyone on the podcast this question. Zuby, what is it in life that gives you meaning, sir? Inspiring other people and helping them to fulfill their potential. Excellent. In a nutshell, sure you've not rehearsed this one. I haven't rehearsed. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you very much again. It's been a pleasure. Uh, and I wish you all the best. I know you've got a little bit of busy period coming up. So I wish you all the best on the projects that you've got coming up in the next little while. I know Thanks. you've uh, been talking about more albums and stuff in the offing. So uh, definitely I'll uh, check those out, sir. Awesome. Thank you, Joe. Excellent, man. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. A massive thanks to Zuby for talking to me today. I was really privileged to have him on to talk to me about this subject and share with me his experience. 
You can catch him over on Instagram and Twitter and check him out over at zubimusic.com and I'll link all this up in the show notes over at guildofdads.com. Now, it's troubled me for some time the manner in which to have an opinion, any opinion on something, immediately puts you in the firing line. And the problem is that because of this and the stifling of civil discourse and discussion, it's stopping societal discussions over the big issues we face and leaving us preoccupied with stuff that could be considered trivial in the whole scheme of things. Now, many of these issues, people like me, are scratching their heads thinking, hey, wasn't this stuff already sorted out decades ago? Aren't we moving on to other stuff now? But what seems to be happening is that we seem to be stuck going round and round in circles, arguing over the same things time and time again. Most problematic around this whole issue of social justice movements in particular is the tendency for social justice movements to not only differ in opinion, but to actively seek to rewrite the facts on which people are having an opinion. And in some cases, they also attempt to rewrite history to fit the agenda or ideology that they're uh, pursuing. Hopefully, our conversation has given you the much-needed insight to begin to push back on some of the things which we discussed, which, to be frank, are bordering on bizarre, to say the least. There's also a video of this interview over on the Guild of Dads YouTube channel, and you can link up with me over on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook using the handle at Guild of Dads. I also have a free Facebook group which you can join, which is over on Guild of Dads, the Facebook page. You can find that via the Facebook page or also just do a search, Guild of Dads Facebook group. It's free to join and it's a growing group of guys who are looking to level up in different areas of their lives. I'm teaching you how to follow a simple system and plan, just like many of my guests, in order to transform all areas of your life so that you can live more purposefully with much greater fulfillment and meaning. It's all in my ebook, The Dad Blueprint. You can grab it free at guildofdads.com forward slash dad. In order to have a positive impact on the world, we improve ourselves and inspire others. The fee for this show is that you share it with others so that they may benefit from anything you find useful or interesting. If you know someone that could do with improving their relationships, could do with a life rethink or different perspective, share this episode with them. The best bit, you don't have to tell them why you're sharing it with them, but it could be just what they need to hear. Now, I'm going to ask a favour of you. If you dig what I'm doing and you enjoy listening to the podcast, I want you to help me. I know from the podcast figures that the listenership is growing week on week. So if you've only just found us, welcome. And I hope you're enjoying the conversations that we have here weekly. It's imperative in order for this to grow for other people to find out about it. So by all means, share. Share via WhatsApp, share via Facebook, uh, share via Instagram, but share with any other dads that you know. And also, it would be fantastic if you could leave a rating and review on iTunes because, again, that enables other people to find the podcast, tune in, and get involved with what's going on. Hopefully, you find something insightful in every episode, so share with dads you know. In the meantime, live a life of vision, action, and meaning. Apply what you hear, and we'll see you next time.